Welcome to Personal Financial Strategy, the podcast, a podcast wholly devoted to you and your relationship with money, bringing expertise to bear on how you earn, invest, and spend your hard-earned cash. I'm your host, Tony King, and today we welcome a special guest to the podcast, Maxwell Nee. Welcome to the Personal Financial Strategy podcast, Maxwell. Thank you for having me, Tony. Well, I'm glad to be here. Oh, and I think uh, I'll do a little bit of an introduction, but I think we might have let the cat out of the bag there a little bit because I think most listeners picked up on a little accent there. But let me just introduce you first. Maxwell Nee is the managing partner of Oweno Wine and Whiskey Investment. He's a multi-award winning entrepreneur who earns his investors a recession-proof and market-beating return with wine and whiskey alternative investments. And like I said, maybe the cat jumped out of the bag there a little bit and our listeners might have a little hint. You do not live in America. So please tell us where you live and work from. Yeah, uh, great question. So thank you for having me, first of all, again. So I am from Australia originally, uh, but I do live in Europe now. So that's uh, where the company is based, the the core business of the company is based in London. I live in Barcelona. The beautiful thing about this type of company, you know, wine and whiskey investments, is that it's a worldwide thing. We've got worldwide um, assets, worldwide clients, and uh, market service our clients from anywhere. That's that's fantastic. So you're in Barcelona now. Learned something there. And how long have you lived in Barcelona? Yeah, so I lived in Barcelona. I moved here during the, uh, like the second wave of the lockdown. So two and a half, three years now. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the second wave of the lockdown, you were in Australia at that time? No, no. I haven't lived in Australia in a long time. So uh, prior to that, I was in London. Okay. Uh, so I was in London for about a year and then moved to Barcelona. And, uh, but to be honest, I'm, I'm all over the place. You know, I'll be in Miami, you know, in February to, uh, to get in front of, um, you know, potential clients and, and share a bit more about what we do and educate people. So I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> You're just a happy wanderer. Well, yeah. You have a rather unique work life, Maxwell. I wonder if you might tell us a little bit of the Maxwell Nee story. And uh, share with us your background and the path that led you to what you do today. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay, so I um, I've always loved um, investments. You know, I've always loved investments and investing um, because you know it really aligns with my values. So my top value is um, freedom. You know, so I love having more freedom. I love working towards more freedom. I love financial freedom, personal freedom, time freedom, all that good stuff. And for me, that's what investing represents, you know, investing represents giving yourself more freedom because, you know, you're building, you're putting down building blocks to, to give yourself more options, whether it's to, you know, buy a house or, you know, buy a car or, or, or whatever, buy investments, stock shares, it's all towards, you know, building wealth options and freedom. So I, I studied finance and investments in, in university, and then I worked in banking for about four or five years, you know, decided I hated that. And then, you know, went out to be an entrepreneur, uh, moved to Europe and discovered uh, wine and whiskey investments. Now, I'll tell you a story that, that sort of really opened my eyes to these assets and how they work, right? right. So I was in Chicago. I was in Chicago meeting up with a really old friend we went to this bar there's like live 
dancing, acrobatics, you know, there was like a gymnast that turned herself into a pretzel, like really, you know, amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing stuff that I could never do. And, uh, we sit at the bar and I like to drink an old fashioned. So an old fashioned is like a drink that's usually made of bourbon. Yes. I like to have scotch. So the guy says, oh, scotch, what would you like? Would you like Macallan 12 or Macallan 18? And, uh, for those who don't know, you know, scotch, Macallan is a scotch whiskey. It's a bit like the Ferrari of scotch whiskey. It's very well known, you know, strong brand, you know, higher end. And the difference between a 12 and 18 is nothing except time. You know, right. it's the same. Right. Same producer, same barrel. They could have been made the same year, but one of them sat in the barrel for another six more years. So just been aged another six more years between 12 to 18. And uh, I said, why not? You know, never tried an 18 before. I'll order an 18. I'm drinking it. It's delicious. Give my friend some. He said it's delicious. Then I go back to the the bartender and decide and say to him, uh, how much is this again? And he said, 125. And then I said, I said, no, no, not, not the tab so far. How much was this drink? And he said, 125. <laughs> my friend, my friend next to me is laughing. And I thought, wow, I'm committed now. You know, I've almost finished the drink. So, you know, uh, 125, you know, US dollars is, is, is a lot of money in Australia. It's you sure. know, like $200, right? So it's a lot, it's a lot of money anyway. And uh, especially for a drink. And, um, and then I go back to him and then I say to him, how much was the 12? And he said 25 and I thought, wow, you know, so the same liquid, there's just a difference of six years of aging and you're looking at a 500 times increase in value for the end consumer that the consumer will pay for. Right. right. Now, you know, if I bought a piece of real estate and I held onto it for six years, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a piece of real estate that go, that's gone up in price in value six, five times in six years. I, don't, right. I haven't seen the stock do that. You know, stocks can do that, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's a meaningful investment. Sure. Uh, those extra six years of aging. So that started to open my eyes to, you know, there's something here, you know, like these alternative assets, if you know how to, uh, get in, work with a good investment manager and that sort of thing, you could, yeah, it could be very, very lucrative. And now that's what I do. I help people to take advantage of opportunities in the market like that. Yeah. So that's your, your investor trained mind spotting a gap. Yeah. Spotting like a, like a little gap in the market that can fit in and, and, you know, give investors a great return and, and, you know, we can build a business with and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit that I, I've been around that gap and never once thought of it as an investment opportunity. I'm a big, I'm a, a bourbon fan. And of nice. course, of course the, um, the ultimate in the United States is Pappy Van Winkle. And uh, a couple of times, mostly uh, as gifts on my birthday, I've been able to taste uh, some 21 year old wow. bourbon and, you know, sat there and enjoyed it and, and never once thought about an investment opportunity <laughs> existing around it. So uh, kudos to you for, for just seeing that up front and almost at your first experience. So I think we know now a little bit about what you're involved in. And it is, I think, for most, certainly our listeners, it might be a newish kind of concept and, and not really in their sphere. So I wonder if you could 
if you could just give me a, you know, let's pretend I'm a personal financial strategy client, uh, Joe Smith. And I've got, I've got my finances all put together through PFS and it's, they're really humming. I'm looking at many investments. Yeah. Most of them traditional investments, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, exchange traded funds, those types of things. Tell Joe Smith a little bit about Oeno's offering and, and what role it could play in his overall financial plan. Yeah, beautiful. So, you know, first thing I'll say is that wine and whiskey investment trading, you know, think of it as like stock trading, but just with, you know, wine bottles or whiskey bottles or whiskey barrels. Uh, it's not new. You know, we've been trading wine since the ancient Romans in 26 BC. It's been used as a store of value. It's been used as a safe haven for um, for people's um, wealth for a very, very long time. It's been traded as, you know, it was one of the highest traded commodities around the world. And, you know, where it sits in your portfolio is usually, uh, I'll share with you a few numbers, right? So okay. at least 28% of high net worth individuals have a wine collection, right? So you're looking at about one in three, uh, either drinking or collecting wine, according to a report from Barclays uh, Wealth Management. And up to about 54% of high net worth individuals invest in alternative assets like wine or whiskey. Now, why do they do that? You know, they, they do that because these assets are non-correlated to the uh, traditional markets. So, you know, when stocks and shares are jumping up and down, wine and whiskey just do their own thing. They're in their own race and lane. When property prices, interest rates, tax, inflation are jumping up and down, wine and whiskey are just doing their own thing. And they're doing that because wine and whiskey um, aren't in, you know, when we talk about investment grade wine and whiskey, we're not talking about, you know, really common wine and whiskey. We're talking about the top 1%, you know, so the market's about about 400, you know, 450, billion dollars, US dollars, we're talking about four to $5 billion, the top 1%. And in that top 1%, that is all the investment grade wine and whiskey in that top 1% is classified as more or less luxury goods, you know, so they're not in the normal economy, they're in the luxury economy, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, just, you know, recently, Bernard Arnold, the CEO of LVMH has become the world's richest person in a contracting economy, you know, most companies are down 60%, but the, the king of luxury has become the world's richest person. So why does that happen? You know, that, that happens because these assets are in their own bubble. I, you know, see. They, I see. They, they're bought, consumed, enjoyed by people who have enormous amounts of discretionary income, you know, and often in times of economic contraction, the top, you know, one to 10% of income earners, increase their income because they're on the right side of those changes and shifts and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, wine and whiskey investment allows you to be on the right side of changes, shifts, you know, contracting economies and things like that. Uh, I could share with you a graph, what happened during COVID, you know, we saw the S and P New York stock exchange, Australia exchange, NASDAQ and everything sort of really dipped down during COVID um, when, you know, the borders shut and um, wine and whiskey just sort of stayed flat. So it's it's completely in its own lane, which is really great because 
people with a lot of money, people with not a lot of money can uh, rely on it, you know, rely on it as a safe haven asset that, you know, it's a, it's a pretty boring investment to watch. You know, it's not going to double overnight. Right. <laughs> that also means it's not going to, you're not going to lose your money overnight, you know, because if you're, if you're on the, if you're on the, if you're at a casino game and you can double your money, that also means you're risking all your money, right? Off of the same same game. So why don't we doesn't do that? It's it's quite a boring investment to watch. Um, you know, it usually grows at about one to two percent per month, and that's all it does. Um, but a lot of people like that because it's really reliable, you know. And so we have a few clients, for example, who, you know, they want to buy a house in five years' time. You know, they want to have a $100,000 deposit to buy a house in five years time. So some of them are deciding to put say $50,000 into like whiskey casts or, um, you know, some really good bottles of wine. And then, you know, that investment will could land anywhere between 80 to a hundred thousand dollars in five years time, you know? So, um, and it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's not correlated to the traditional markets. So, right. So that investor doesn't have to worry. Oh, interest rates gone up. What's going to happen to my wine and whiskey? You know, right. taxes. Are, what's going to happen to my wine and whiskey? You know, they 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 do their own thing and they're very reliable, historically speaking. So that is you know one of the big attractions. Um, another thing as well is that high inflation. You know, double digits, seven, eight percent, nine percent, ten percent inflation is very exciting for wine and whiskey because you know the way I think about inflation is that inflation is a wave you know it's like a it's like a tsunami it's like a big wave that's coming and sort of you know reaching the shore and when a wave comes you're either on the wrong side of the wave where you get hit and wiped out by the wave uh-huh. or you're on the right side of the wave and you get to surf the wave right. so wine and whiskey investments because they're luxury goods the luxury economy they're consumables as well so they're, you know, beverages. Remember, the, these aren't just things that people, the, the end purpose of this is, is for them to be designed to be drunk. They usually surf the wave of inflation, you know, because they're on the selling side of it. Right. right? So you surf the wave of high inflation instead of um, having your returns be diluted by it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Indeed. So uh, what I'm picking up and just check me if I've heard anything wrong is one of the main features of wine and whiskey investment is it's insulated. It's not volatile, volatile, like so many uh, investments that we're looking at today. And so even those frontline kind of traditional investments that I mentioned, exchange traded funds. And I mean, those things bounce all over. In fact, you know, we've seen, we've seen in the last eight months, we've seen ETFs, just <laughs> pretty much plunge. And yeah. you think that uh, there's a little bit of insulation, lack of volatility. It's a consumer good, which we all know our friend Warren Buffett, he loves simple investments and uh, uh, and consumption investments are, are one of the most simple. Um, it's not a complex mathematical algorithm that you have to figure out in order to participate. Those are those are pretty attractive qualities in today's investing market, especially looking at inflation. I love your your uh, visual of a, of a a wave and a way to participate in the wave. Which you know, frankly, I think a lot of people 
in 2023, they're looking for that. Yeah. Can you can you get into the mechanics a little bit of like uh, what exchange are these investments traded in? And I know it's a global exchange, right? Yeah. So there's, I wouldn't call it an exchange. It's more like just like a network of um, merchants and brokers and that sort of thing. So in terms of, I'll, I'll stick to wine, right? In terms of wine, um, there's what's called merchants. So merchants are basically like wine wholesalers. And there's about, you know, more or less five to 600 of them around the world that trade a, a large amount of wine. And what a good, a really, really good wine investment firm slash merchant can do is they can help you to buy investment grade wine before it reaches its peak drinking age. Right. So let's say that let's say and and when I say investment grade wine, I mean fine wine. And what fine wine is is basically just wine that can be aged. You know, so the, the chemistry of this wine is designed so that uh, it's still alive in the bottle. You know, it's still maturing the the liquid in the bottle is um evolving still evolving in the bottle it gotcha. evolves very slowly over a long period of time but it's still evolving so let's say you buy a bottle of um you know italian uh barolo and the peak drinking age of that says year eight so it's bottled in uh 2020 and you know the winemakers and critics and you know people with enormous amounts of wine experience have determined that the, the best peak drinking age of this wine is 2028, 20, you know, eight years from uh, when it's been bottled. So what we do is we basically help you to find, first of all, ideally hidden gems. So, you know, massively underpriced, under discovered, but high, very high quality wine that has a great ability to age. And we help you to find a hidden gem and get in there and acquire it you know, in years zero to one, two, and three. Because if you acquire it in the years zero, one, two, and three, and you hold it long enough until years eight, when it reaches its peak drinking age, you know, it's not uncommon for the value to double based really? on what you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and if you hold it until, you know, let's say years nine, um, when everyone's opening, the majority of the market is opening up in years eight, let's say... 70% of the bottles in the market for that particular vintage have been drunk by year eight. You, you, you take it off the market, you bring it back into the market when it's extremely scarce, you get to sell it back to the market at a premium in year nine because wow. you're holding the, the golden ticket that everyone's already cashed in. Right. Right. And, um, so then you get to charge another premium on top of the aging premium that you've already held on to. So, so basically in a nutshell, we help clients to achieve that, that aging value appreciation life cycle over and over and over again with the best wines and whiskeys in the world. That's fascinating. Fascinating. I, I know, I know some of our listeners are going to be asking right away is, is there, is there regulation involved? Yeah. So I don't know the name in the US. In Australia, it's called like an Australian financial services license. Okay. The, the core business is in the UK because, um, you know, uh, the majority of the fine wine and whiskey markets traded in the UK. And we are FCA regulated, which is like the, you know, financial overwatch um, person, uh, entity. Yeah. It is, it is an investment grade product, but it's not a security. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So, 
it's it's not it's not as regulated as like a like a, a stock or a share or that type of thing because all we're really doing is we're helping you to buy alcohol and this alcohol that you buy yes it's for investment and you know it's designed to appreciate and it most likely will but you could also just choose to drink it you know you could choose to take it out of the storage out of everything um take it out drink it so you know you know investment advisory firm um, but we're also very much like a, like a buyer's agent, you know, to help you to get your hands on stock that is of, um, of high value. So it's probably a bit similar to, you know, if someone were to invest in art, you know, they just help you to buy the art and then you sort of speculate, um, is it going to go up in value or whatever, or classic cars or like watches and things like that. It's, um, or, or diamonds. Uh, it's very, very similar to that. Okay. That helps me think about it. Yeah. It really helps me think about it. I'm sure uh, I, I could probably ask you questions for a very long time because <laughs> it is very interesting. But what I'd like to do, Maxwell, is I'd like, I'd like uh, for you to give our listeners the best way to get in contact with you. Yeah. Uh, great question. So I can share a link for you to drop in the show notes. You know, my name is Maxwell Nee. I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. I'm also on Instagram as well. I can share my email in the show notes. But um, if you Google our company, O-E-N-O, Oeno Group, which is Oeno means uh, wine in Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a made up word. It's a, <laughs> there's, there's purpose and uh, meaning behind that, our name. Okay. Um, we, you know, we're worldwide. We've got about a, more than a hundred um, full-time staff. We're in four continents. The staff speak uh, six languages across the team um, because, you know, wine, whiskey are worldwide assets, you know? So we've got staff members that are out there sourcing wine in Greece and Lebanon and Spain and Italy and Portugal and Napa Valley and Latin America in Germany, right? To, uh, to make sure we get our clients the best of the best from any hidden pocket of the world. Oh, fantastic. And just a couple, couple last questions. Um, and these are always burning questions for our listeners who are thinking about investing. They want to know what's the minimum investment that you guys require. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So, you know, what we love to do is we really love to, to get people going, you know, because it, it, you know, once you start investing in this type of asset, it's just such a joy, such a joy to learn a bit more about it, to share with it with your friends. You know, it's a, it's a bit, 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 bit exciting to brag about it as well. I've got these really cool bottles, you know, especially if you are into wine or into whiskey and, um, you know, we have clients starting portfolios from five, $10,000, you know, it doesn't have to be like a, you know, super significant sum. So what I would say is, yeah, start with what you're comfortable with. Um, you know, and everyone that works with us, uh, that we build a portfolio for, you'll get like a private portfolio manager. Um, you know, it could be me, it could be, um, someone else that's is in the team and, you know, they'll hold your hand and talk you through everything. Um, there's some people that, that help people invest in wine and they almost have no staff, you know, we're, we're a bit old fashioned and we, we like to be that way because we like to be a bit of, you know, handshake, look you in the eye type of experience as you, as you, yeah, you, you put your money to work. 
Yeah, that's great. And uh, you mentioned it earlier, but you're going to be in Florida in February. If someone wanted to intersect with you there, what uh, what what are your dates and times and how would how would they go about attending one of your seminars? Yeah, yeah, great. So, um, yeah, send me an email, send me an email and then we'll go from there. Um, I'll put my email is uh, maxwell.nee and November echo echo nee at awarenofuture.com. Um, you could also find my email on the website or request for me. Uh, I'll be in Miami from uh, the 2nd to the 22nd, so for three weeks in February. Okay. And um, I'll be doing a bunch, just basically meeting clients, talking to people and educating people about this, you know, new products back to back to back. Uh, so if you send me an email, uh, if, we, if I'm around and you're around, yeah, we could catch up, you know, whatever, whatever works, coffee or, or whatever. Or go for a drink. Okay, but there's there's not a specific event that you're going there for. You're just meeting with potential investors, kind of one on one. I'm sort of like a like a guest to a few sort of key, not key, but um, a few like investor dinners and and conferences and things like that. So there's no like like big conference or anything that I'm a part of. Okay, um, going there to to meet some you know real people on the ground. Fantastic. Well, Maxwell, thank you so much for being with us today. I will put everything you provide in the show notes. So just so our listeners uh, know the quickest, easiest way to get in touch with you, it would be through Instagram and LinkedIn. And the name is Maxwell, spelled the traditional way, N-E-E, Maxwell Knee. Thanks so much for being with us, Maxwell. And until next time, strategists keep on strategizing.